Strange Stuff Sideshow. Stuff you might not know. Hello and welcome to Strange Stuff Sideshow. Uh, this is episode 20, which is quite exciting. I'm your host, Kat Clifford, and with me as always is my co-host, Emily P. And today we are going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about. Well, I'm going to be talking about faith healers. Oh, interesting. Um, so I will be talking about different versions of kind of healers and different faiths on different podcasts. Okay. But this one specifically is the one that you kind of see on TV. Oh, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> um, and like it's generally associated with Christian practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Faith healing is a practice of prayer and gestures, such as laying of hands on a person that some believe to elicit divine intervention in spiritual and physical healing, and this is especially the Christian practice. Mm -hmm. Um, So believers assert that the healing of disease and disability can be brought about by religious faith through prayer and other rituals that, according to adherents, can stimulate a divine presence and power. It's not based off any scientific evidence, and virtually all scientists and philosophers dismiss dismiss faith healing as pseudoscience. Um, Which, like, I think we all kind of already knew that. But there are obviously people out there who do believe that it, it is a thing. So I will be talking about both, like, you know, the people who think that it helps and then you know the people who obviously were just scam artists well i'm just thinking like i mean obviously there were a lot of scam artists yeah um but i remember doesn't darren brown he does like a laying hands thing where he like touches people and makes them pass out so it's obviously like part you can trick people into it oh of course it's kind of like a hypnotism yeah, um, and and also though, but people can heal themselves. So maybe if you took the same belief, you know, like people, there's that documentary and a guy breaks his back and he heals it with his mind. Yes, and if you it... believe so much in like the Christian faith or like that you will be healed by this preacher or whoever, yeah, is it possible to create the same thing? I don't know. So so this is something I think we'll talk about after but mm-hmm. um i don't think i think it depends i hate saying this i think it depends on what religion mm-hmm. and what your your thought process is interesting um and that's why i wanted to split it up into multiple podcasts because i don't think it's fair to put every religion no in the same bubble when it comes to that because i think some actually have it down and I think others are too far away. I'm for just thinking of like helpful. Buddhism and meditation and things like that. Well, that's the thing you're talking about a different religion. Yeah, and then also if you're not talking specifically about religion, but about a practice that isn't like, I guess, air quotes medicine. Yes. Things like Reiki and stuff exactly. also heal people. Also completely different, which is why I wanted to separate it because some of them obviously are good. Yeah. And others, I don't think so much. But you know. It is each to their own if they think that, like, the faith healing of Christian, you know, values... Well, I'm just also now thinking then... about uh, Lords. Yeah. You know, the, the the miracle fountain spring thing in France where sick people get sent. 
And, like, there's a doctor who's been studying cases of people at Lords for years. And he's like, yeah, there was a guy who had, like, some yes. hip problem and it just healed overnight. Once again, totally separate. But I know okay. what you're talking about, <laughs> which is why I need to split it up, is because I think there's just so much lies out there mm-hmm. that people don't understand where the truth really is. Well, I guess if and you're thinking about water, it could be something to do with, like, the... You know there's that experiment where the guy tells the cup of water he loves it. That's what I'm saying. It. Is it, like, the actual yes. frequency in the water? Yes. But then if you take that back to Christianity, yeah. the Lord's Prayer... Yeah. The way that it is chanted is particular to particular rhythms and octaves, which actually change the chemical, like the structure in the same way in water, which is why you have holy water. So if people are praying over lords, are they putting that much energy into that water that is healing people? It depends. It it, it has a lot to do with your thought Mm -hmm. and a lot to do with your intention. And also you need to ask for it. Mm -hmm. The thing that people forget to ask if it forgot to do is they they lay their hands they chant these things they put attentions into it but they don't actually ask the universe to help them with anything and the universe is like hello i'm like standing right here I'm right do, you, here, buddy. do you need some help because like i'm just watching this lunatic situation go on and all you could do be like hey can you help me out mm-hmm. and i will but you never ask but like obviously prayer is in a way sometimes like that but i think it depends on obviously the intention who and what you're exactly praying to. Mm. Um, because, like, I know everyone has a different name for God, but what it is entirely is just the universe. It mm-hmm. is just the energy, universe. Um, you could put whatever name on it, you could put whatever religion on it, but you need to be directing it at that specifically with the right intention. Um, and then you also, what people fail to see is that depends on how far away from me it is if your entire body is full of cancer you've got to work harder mm-hmm. if your body is filled with a little bit of cancer it's not going to be as hard mm-hmm. but you have to live your life with that intention and not be afraid of this cancer because the minute you're afraid of the cancer and afraid of dying then what you're sending out is intentions of dying from cancer mm-hmm. so you have to change your mind so that's why i'm saying it, it's all it's all so different. Like, it has to do with different ways that your religion and your process works. Mm-hmm. And not specifically on the entirety of it. Um, because it would be a case-by-case situation. But the good things that it has done, and for the people who know how to do it and where it has worked, um, there have been claims that the faith can cure blindness, deafness, cancer, HIV-AIDS, developmental disorders... Anemia, arthritis, corns, defective speech, multiple cirrhosis, uh, skin rashes, and total body paralysis and various injuries. So recoveries have been attributed to many techniques commonly classified as faith healing. It can involve prayer, a visit to a religious shrine, or simply strong belief in a supreme being. Um, So yeah, I think that in the cases where it does work, it was either... Um, the contractual agreement that you made in your life. So it might, you know, when you're, before you're born, you make like a, you have like your life kind of set for you, but you don't have to obviously do it. Mm -hmm. And your life set, be like, okay, I want to learn 
what it is to be completely humble or something. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have cancer, and then I'm going to become really humble, and then I'm going to survive the cancer, and then I'm going to live my life, you know, amazingly. And that could be your path, but you can choose to sway off of it if you want to. And so some people probably have that path, and they probably do have the intention. Um, So it's so hard. There's just so many factors to it, which is ridiculous. Um, skeptics of faith healing, obviously mm-hmm. there's lots of skeptics, point to fraudulent practices either in the healing themselves, such as plants in the plant audience members with fake illnesses, mm-hmm. um, which has been very common, or um, healing work is supposedly taking place and claim that faith healing is a quack practice in which the healers use well-known non-supernatural natural illusions to exploit people in order to obtain their gratitude, confidence, and money. So, one of the well-known one is Peter Popoff, I think. Oh, I've heard of this guy. Did he not have, like, he had, like, an earpiece in, and he would have, like, his secretary or whatever, or his wife, it might have been even his wife, and she would, like, look them up, yeah. and then he would be, like, and he would be able to tell the audience members, and he was caught out. And then he yes. was like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure he said, like, yeah, I'm doing that, but like, but like, God is still working through me because He's telling me to do that or something ridiculous. Oh yeah, of course He's trying to spin it in a way yeah. where it seems like, oh yeah, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so He claimed to heal sick people on stage in front of the audience, um, pretending no private details. But his wife, um, before the show, had asked them like private information, which he then used for the show. Um, and then he used, like, the funds that were sent to him for specific purposes, and then they were called into question <clears throat> the ethics of, like, what he was doing with these actual funds. Um, and that is common for a lot of faith healers, is that they will obviously be taking your money for something specific, and they're actually not using it for that, or they're taking it in a very wrong way. Yeah. Um, so there have been legal controversies when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1955, Jack Coe, uh, Revival Service in Miami, Florida, Coe told the parents of a three-year-old boy that he healed their son who had polio. He then told the parents to remove the boy's brace legs. However, the son was not cured of polio, and removing the braces left the boy in constant pain. As a result... Uh, Co was arrested and charged Good. <laughs> with practicing medicine without a license, mm-hmm. a felony in the state of Florida. Um, the They dismissed the case on grounds that Florida exempts divine healing from the law. Uh, Co was diagnosed with polio, polio and died a few weeks later. So, look at that karma. The guy who did the yeah. healing? Yeah. Interesting. Later that year, yeah. So, it's quite... <laughs> it, that's a bit spooky, isn't it? it well, it's funny, because it kind of works the opposite. Like, you can have... That's what I'm saying. Like, you have to have the intention, and you constantly have to have and good intentions. you have intention good intentions, it. not bad intentions. Well, if or... you have bad intentions, you'll get polio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just want to say that that's not an actual thing. <laughs> no, 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 of course. <laughs> it's funny in this circumstance. Um, <laughs> so, and then... Um, the TV personality, Darren Brown, produced a show on faith healing called Miracles for Sale, which arguably exposed the art of faith healing as a scam. 
In this show, Darren trained a scuba diver trainer picked from the general public to be a faith healer and took him to Texas to successfully deliver a faith healing session to a congregation, which worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, I don't want to say this entirely is not, not a thing. I just want to show, I want to have, like, more podcasts where we have topics where it's more appropriate ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Which, like, um, most of, like, our listeners have probably seen, well... If you haven't seen it, watch the documentary that's on Netflix. I think it's called Heal Mm. or something along those lines. And it's just about how you can heal your own body. I'm just going to say as well, though, I think, like, whatever you believe, that's absolutely fine. Of course. And if it is the Christian faith, we're not saying, like, this, that the Christian faith can't help people. We're saying, like, not in this particular way. Probably, yeah, you know, I, like I think just... intense prayer is the same as setting intention. Well, yes, I think that it's just that they maybe um, there was some misinformation along the way. Oh, yeah. And definitely there's also people who are coming in to take advantage of people. But I'm saying like it, you can come from any faith. Of and course. if you have a pure intention and you're really like concentrating on it, then that's the same regardless of what you believe you're praying to exactly. or like asking from you know what i mean yeah well that's the thing is like if you um have the right strategy it doesn't matter who you're praying to and what your yeah what your religion is yeah. it can work um because... no they all work that like all religions have like chanting and prayer and they all work off the same like octave you know mm-hmm. like vibrational frequency well to be fair we have more christian movies who talk about these miracles happening then and i don't even think any other religions have movies well that's because based... christians just take over and there's fucking stupid amounts of money being pumped into american super churches well i know but i've seen a lot of those movies are really good movies <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no they like obviously so like most most of the miracles that you see happen are based out of the christian faith well, when I do research on miracles, those are the ones. But again, that, it's because the... that's like the one that it's like a it's like a fa- okay. So for instance, with this quiz night I'm doing, yeah, I'm looking up like queer history, yeah, but it's giving me USA queer history first because that's the most dominant thing, and it's very hard to find information it's unless you're specifically though. looking up other places. It's just because of where we are located yeah that is why it like we get pumped with american stuff constantly yeah um you probably wouldn't have been pumped with that i mean we we got quite a lot because we have it yeah no we get quite a lot maybe potentially not as much as here but we get a lot yeah it would still be the same very much the same but like i feel like if you were see sometimes it's cool when i go traveling i look up to see what is filtered mm-hmm. when you're in other countries. Yeah. And what kind of information you get. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, it's completely different. Yeah. But, like, well, Buddha, you know, the Buddha performed, like, a miracle where he, like, which we've spoken about in a previous episode, where he made himself appear, like, 500 times in the sky mm-hmm. and shit like that. Yeah. It is in all of them. It's just the Bible has got the most, like, other media and stuff around it. Which, I think. Which I think is interesting because, yeah, like, I don't, I think that is a good thing and a bad thing. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's a good thing for, you know, everyone who believes in that stuff. But it's also a bad thing because then you get, like, scams. You get more scams because they're, you obviously are going to try to scam the largest majority of people because you're going to end up, like, not everyone's going to believe your scam, but at least 10% will. And if you have a lot of the same people from the same religion, you're going to get more people to believe if you have a larger majority to begin with. Do you know what I mean? So that's the only thing that sucks about a religion like that is because, well, especially here, obviously religions across the world are going to be more prominent in different places. I was going to say, yeah, I don't even think Christianity is the most prominent religion. No, but here. But in this area, yes. Yes. So you're going to get a lot of scams. Like, obviously you'd probably get scams in, like, China and stuff, but I feel like it wouldn't because of their... Their restrictions on their media, you wouldn't get it coming out as much. Well, you get like those reports all the time, don't you? In like this area where someone's like, I found Jesus in a piece of toast, or the Virgin <laughs> Mary's crying blood in this yeah. particular church, yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. Which is weird. It just feels like uh, it's been. I don't know, maybe more commercialized. So, um, I heard this thing. This is kind of similar, but a little bit different. I just wanted to do a side note, but I heard this thing that, like, you know when people think that they're Jesus Christ resurrected? Yes. So I heard this thing that they're not, obviously, Jesus Christ resurrected, but that because of the way that they remember their past lives, they clearly, like, very clearly, remember it that they actually are. Because I think in a past life, either they were friends with Jesus Christ or they um, they have, like, a clear memory of, like, the life or something like that. Because that's what I heard is that they aren't, obviously, the resurrection, but they, at one point, their, their wires got crossed and so they do remember it as if they are. Well, so depends they're not just what making they're it up. exactly remembering. What if they're remembering fucking being crucified because if that's the case the romans crucified every fucker well that's the thing that's what i'm saying like like so many thousands upon thousands of people were crucified if that's what you're remembering maybe that you're just remembering being crucified by the romans which wasn't that rare yes so it's it's so i don't want to just even slam everybody who does scams because they aren't necessarily aware of what they're what they're doing um, and they might be doing good, and hey, they might actually be healing people because other people can heal people, like in Reiki. So yeah, and also if you believe it. it again, if you believe in it that much that you're the resurrection of Jesus or whatever, yeah. then you might believe so much that you actually do have powers that you mm-hmm. are putting so much energy into someone that you are healing them. Yes, like so, it's I don't know. very interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so what did you research? Well, I, I guess, they're not really the same. But I mean, I'm pretty sure they were Christian, so <laughs> there's a connection. But I am talking about uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Well, it's 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 similar in a way where like they obviously they were helped people to... and they healed people from whatever was going on yeah, with them. Yeah, yeah. So we we had a little crossover, and and they obviously had a strong faith. Well, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Not entirely different. No. I've got... So, buckle in, because I've got a lot of information. 
Okay. <laughs> so, um, so Ed and Lorraine, if you don't know, were world-renowned paranormal investigators. Um, Ed's experience with the paranormal started when he was a kid. He grew up in a haunted house and at the age of five claimed he saw an apparition which was a dot of light that grew until it became his family's landlady, who had died the year before. Uh, soon after this, Ed started having dreams about dead relatives he'd never met, including an aunt who told him messages about his future. She told him that um, that he would help many priests, but never be a priest himself. Uh, Lorraine also discovered her abilities in her childhood and at the age of 12 during a treaty planting on Arbor Day at her school she saw the the, the seeds that they just planted transform into a full-grown tree so she knew she was seeing the future mm. like it even had like a friend question her about it and she just knew but the pair met and started dating when they were 16 um, at 17, Ed joined the Navy and went to war for four months. Um, he was sent home when his ship sank and they got married before he got sent back. Um, after the war, they both wanted to become artists. But instead of painting like landscapes and the usual stuff, they decided that they were going to go to haunted houses and sketch them and then knock on people's doors and offer to trade the, the sketch for information on the haunting. Which is interesting. I like that little business. Yeah. <laughs> little right. side hustle. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, they said that if the information was interesting enough, then they would paint the house and sell that later. So they would, like, do another painting of it, I guess, and sell it to other people. Uh, they did this for five years. Um, even though uh, Lorraine had had this strange... Um, experiences of the sea and the tree in the future in her childhood she still didn't really believe in ghosts until she started listening to all these stories that people were telling her about the house and she started like making all these correlations and similarities and like noticing all these things that were similar between them and that's when she started believing uh so the warrens founded the new england society for psychic research to document their cases and they also created the occult museum in their monroe connecticut home to house haunted objects and files and tapes from their investigations you know such as the annabelle doll and i think the one movie of the set of the conjuring films that study them is set in that museum hmm. um over their career, they claim to have investigated well over 10,000 cases. Uh, during um, The Warrens were among the first investigators in that Amityville haunting. Um, another movie movie one. Yeah. <laughs> the newer one with Ryan Reynolds. And the, that was a remake of an earlier one. Yes. Uh, so on November 13th, 1974, the Amityville estate was the scene of a brutal massacre Using a 35 Marlin rifle, 23-year-old Ronald J. DeFeo Jr. murdered his entire family while they were asleep, which included his parents and four siblings. Thirteen months later, the Lutz family purchased the home at a drastically reduced price of $80,000 due to the murders, but only lasted 28 days before leaving. Uh, sorry about that, my mum's trying to call me. <laughs> Cat forgets to turn off her volume. Yes, I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> At least she hung up straight away. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, so they lived in the house for 28 days. Um, the family, while they lived there, claimed that they've experienced a whole entire barrage of horrific paranormal activity. Stepfather George Lutz said he uh, would wake up at 3.15am every morning. That's in the witching hour, just as a little mm-hmm. side note. Um, so this is around the time that Ron had carried out the murders as well. Uh, the Lutz family claimed to smell strange odours and have seen green slime oozing out of the walls and keyholes. There were weird cold spots in certain parts of the house. And when a priest came to bless the house, he allegedly heard a voice scream, Get out! Which I think is in the movie. Uh, he told yes. the Lutzes to never sleep in the, the, that particular room in the house. Um, a pig-like creature with red eyes was observed, staring down at George and his son Daniel from a window. George woke up with his wife Kathy levitating off of their bed, and also sons Daniel and Christopher um, levitating together in their beds. George and Kathy both took a lie detector test after the events, and they came back saying they were telling the truth. So the Warrens claimed that the evil from the house followed them home to their house. Then that Lorraine had a strange experience where she felt paralysed and her dogs seemed like they were drugged. She said she saw a vortex of dark energy appear and she, but her, she banished it with the sign of the cross and words of faith. Afterwards, she lent her husband, who had been in a completely separate part of the house, I think he was in the basement, he had a very similar experience and banished it with holy water. So, like, there's something real evil in there, according to mm-hmm. everyone. The... Isn't that house still, like, vacant? I'm not sure. I don't know if they pulled it down now and built another property there. Yeah, but it's not going to really do much. Yeah. Well, that's true. Um, But, like, it's just so scary. Like, what was so evil in there that it, like, followed them home, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warrens were also investigators in the Enfield Poltergeist case. I think that's another one that they've turned into a film. Yes, of course. You haven't yeah. seen that? No, I haven't seen that one yet. Guys. <laughs> um, I've actually one. watched a documentary on it when I was like 12, though. And I was like, this is some mad shit. <laughs> so they were investigators in that. Um, this was a case of claim of supernatural activity at 284 Green Street, a council house in Brimsdown, Enfield, London, uh, between 1977 and 1979, involving two sisters aged 11 and 14. In August 1977, Peggy Hodson, the mother of four, called the police to her home saying she had witnessed furniture moving moving by itself and that two of her four children said that knocking sounds were coming from the walls. The children included Margaret, who was 13, and Janet, who was 11. Mm. Uh, a police constable said that she had seen a chair wobble and slide by itself and couldn't determine the cause of movement. Others' claims included disembodied voices, loud noises, thrown toys, overturned chairs, and children levitating off the ground. You know, just your standard mm-hmm. evening at home. <laughs> uh, over a period of 18 months, more than 30 people, including neighbours, psychic researchers, journalists, said that they saw heavy furniture moving of its own accord, objects being thrown across the room, uh, Janet and Margaret seeming to levitate several feet off the ground. Um, loads of people also heard and recorded knocking noises and a gruff voice. Janet also claimed to have set off the poltergeist activity by playing a Ouija board. Very exorcist. Yeah. 
Um, and she said she was possessed by the spirit of an old man who was the house's previous owner who had died in the house. She gave a detailed explanation of how he died, which upon later investigation proved to be true. I remember that from the documentary. This case is controversial for the reason that a lot of people thought that it was a hoax. And although the movie, uh, yeah, The Conjuring 2, <laughs> is based on the Warrens' investigation into the case, uh, one of the original investigators on the case said, uh, a guy named Guy Leon Playfair said the Warrens just showed up uninvited for one day and claimed that Ed Warren had told him that they could make a lot of money off the case. So again, we're like kind of falling into what you were saying. Were they just scamming people and yeah. using it to make money well yeah that's the thing is that like if you have like all of this if you're gonna show up to at least 10 people's houses you're probably gonna be able to scam at least two of them yeah exactly especially people who are obviously undergoing some kind of traumatic experience you know exactly um i from what i've seen i think that ed was probably more like scamming people and i think lorraine more wanted to help people from like just little snippets like that you know yeah um so but for the case that i find the most interesting that the warrens were a part of is the south end werewolf i'm obviously because i love werewolves Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so this was the case of a man named bill ramsey who was born in south end england when he was nine um and no, oh, he wasn't born when he was nine. Sorry, I started reading the next sentence. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> so when he was nine year old, he uh, nine years old, he had a very strange experience. So he was playing in the garden behind the house as normal when he suddenly felt an icy wind sweeping across his body. It was a warm, sunny afternoon, so that was kind of weird. Um, the stress of it caused him to sweat, but the chilling cold froze the perspiration on his skin. He was also overtaken by an overpowering stink that filled him with extreme nausea, which is interesting because that stink is usually like a sulfur smell and it's linked to like the presence of demons and hell like throughout history. Yeah. Even more odd than the physical symptoms that he experienced is with the psychological manifestations that came along with this experience. While in the midst of whatever was like happening, his mind was suddenly filled with the desire to run towards the ocean on all fours like like a wolf. Um, he also experienced vivid and repeated images of wolves running through his brain. Um, he felt like something inside changed and he no longer felt like a carefree child that he was. Uh, Ramsey's mother said she was watching the whole thing from her window and or she realized something that was up with him she tried to intervene and snap him out at the moment but this just made things worse when the images of wolves disappeared from his mind they were replaced by ex- feelings of extreme rage and hatred much to his mum's horror the adrenaline from the rage filled ramsey with almost super- superhuman strength and he started ripping the fence post out of the garden and swinging it around like a club. His parents tried to take the post away, but he was too strong. He's only nine, remember? Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually ended up running back into the house while he started growling and snarling at everyone, and he put the metal wire of the fence in his mouth and started chewing on it, which just then shivers up my spine. Yeah. Um, so the following years, nothing else happened, and it was just like chalked down as like this weird one-off. 
Uh, he moved on. He grew up. He got married. He had kids. He was like everyone like described him as like a loving, doting husband and father. Um, although for the first two years he was married, he did have like weird nightmares. Um, and each dream was the same and the results ended up identical. Ramsey always woke up in a cold sweat and was overwhelmed by feelings of dread and unease. Sounds like just a regular once a week feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in his dreams, he was always a few steps behind his wife who would then turn and face him before running away, like in extreme terror. Hmm. Um, it was only in 1967 the dreams ended and then 18 months later Bill woke up one night to hear what he thought was a panting of an animal somewhere inside the bedroom. And then, and then it turned out he was right, but it was him. He was just like standing in his room like panting like, an, like a werewolf. Wow. Uh, and then in 1983 was when he went full werewolf again. So Bill was out with some friends at a local pub and after a few drinks he started to feel the same icy chills that he had when he was a kid. He made an excuse and headed to the toilets. And then once he was in the bathroom he said he looked in the mirror and he saw a wolf staring back at him. Then in the car ride home, he suddenly began to growl and immediately <clears throat> turned to his fellow pasha, passenger, and who was his friend, and launched himself at him and tried to bite his leg. The designated driver didn't panic. He brought the car to a halt and tried to get the angry Bill out of the back of the car. And it took him a while, but he finally calmed him down and they managed to get him out. 18 months later again, around Christmas time, Bill started having chest pains and assumed he was having a heart attack. So he like went straight to the hospital. Uh, he was taken to do a blood pressure examination and he bit into the arm of the nurse who was doing the examination and then ran through the ward. Uh, witnesses later said that he had hunched shoulders and his hands were curled into talons or like claws and that he had like bared teeth like a, like a rabid animal. Anyone who tried to approach him was knocked to the ground by his superhuman strength and it took an entire group of people working together to finally subdue the rampaging man. A police officer managed to place handcuffs on him but it wasn't enough and a tranquilizer was required to get him under control. The next day, once the tranquilizer had worn off, he seemed fine. And a doc... This is so, like... <laughs> That it happened in the 80s and not now. So, like, he just seemed fine after he just, like, bit a nurse. Mm -hmm. and, and rampaged through the hospital and, like, loads of people had to subdue him. And then the doctor recommended he stay in for observation. But Bill was, like, had checked himself in so they couldn't do anything. And he just le left and went home. Mm -hmm. This time it was quicker before something happened again. So he returned to the hospital after two months. He was driving back home from his house when he felt an attack coming from his mum's house when he felt an attack coming on. So he drove back to the same hospital. Um, the nurse this time decided she didn't feel safe alone with him. I think it was a different nurse, but people have spoken about him. Mm -hmm. uh, so she was like, "I'm just going to go get a doctor." And then at this point, he lunged at an orderly. Um, at this point. Weirdly, four police officers just happened to be entering the hospital and they surrounded him and he attacked, snarling and growling as he did so. He injured one of the officers so badly uh, that he spent days in hospital with his wounds. He, um, But he had calmed down by the time they arrested him and was took to the station and then he was released. 
it was recommended he seek help from a mental institution but obviously there was a lot of stigmas around that at the time even more than there is now so he decided he didn't want to by the summer he was back at the police station again this time he'd made a citizen's arrest on a local teenage sex worker and as soon as they arrived she ran into the station herself and then he got really mad and a big police officer came out and started questioning Ramsey as he was doing so he like just lightly touched his arm and this let loose the rage and Bill launched at him and started choking the officer out. And this time it took 12 police officers and two sedative injections to stop him. Um, after this, he was taken into hospital and given a barrage of like MRIs and x-rays to try and find out what the fuck was the problem. Uh, but they didn't find anything. And it was at this point that the Warrens, who were in the UK at the time, uh, saw his story on the telly and Lorraine immediately assumed he was possessed and got in touch with the South End police station. And it was arranged that the Warrens would be able to meet Ramsey. Another sign of the times. I feel like you couldn't just ring up a police station now and be like, um, I think this man's possessed. Can we arrange a meeting? No, yeah. No, you would not be able to. <laughs> um, so after much persuasion, the Warrens convinced, um, Ramsey to accompany them to their church in Connecticut and undergo an exorcism with the help of their friend who was a specialist in this sort of thing, Bishop Robert McKenna. Bill and his wife flew out the night before and scheduled the exorcism, uh, before the scheduled exorcism, and Bill tried to strangle his wife in her sleep. Uh, Bill seemed at first to be very unimpressed and decidedly British about the entire thing. Uh, the exorcism was conducted in, in Latin. For at least half an hour, nothing seemed to happen. And then suddenly his whole uh, appearance changed and became contorted and both hands formed into claws and McKenna commanded the demon to leave. The full force of the werewolf's fury descended on McKenna one time and then disappeared for good. And apparently it worked because Bill never suffered from the rage ever again. So, yeah, that's an interesting case. So the last case I want to look at the Warrens were involved in is that of um, Arne Cheyenne Johnson, um, who at a dinner with his fiancée and landlord and some others suddenly started stabbing his landlord with a pocket knife until he killed him. Uh, In his trial, he pleaded not guilty as he said he was possessed by a demon. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Debbie, his fiancée, had a younger brother, David, And this is where the Warrens came in. So David was apparently possessed by a demon. The Warrens came in with their help. So two of of them are possessed by a demon. Yeah, So, but this is what happened. So the Warrens were called in to help deal with David. So them and a priest came in and they performed a bunch of exorcisms on him. Yeah. But during one of the exorcisms, the demon had jumped. Can Can I just, before you start getting into that, poor woman. Well, yeah, I know. I'm just, I just wanted to say that because I was like, wait, wait, you just go right on to it, but I'm like, geez, that's a that would be very unfortunate. Yeah, you're out at dinner and then your fiance stabs your landlord to death in front of you after you've been seeing your youngest brother be fucking exercised by. Is there something wrong with her? Well, yeah, maybe it's like what I said earlier, where the badness from the Amityville house followed them home. Oh. What if something's been following her? I see. Yes. Very, very good. Yeah. But, like, also, I'm pretty sure this happened after, um, this happened after Amityville, right? So the Warrens were aware 
the bad energy can like follow you. Yeah. And that they still, so basically the exorcisms were performed on the kid. Um, and the demon during one of these exorcisms jumped into the, jumped into, uh, Johnson, but no one, but no one there. So they know bad energy can follow you. Yeah. They know that they've done an exorcism and presumably they know that a demon can jump into other people. Mm-hmm. So why have they just allowed him to be like, oh, yeah, I was just standing there and got demon jumped into me and I'm just going to go home. And then he ends up fucking murdering someone. Yeah. It was only a few months later that he stabbed the guy in the throat. Wouldn't he have known that, like, a demon had gone into him? Like, wouldn't he have, like, had nightmares or something? Well, yeah. Like, Like, I'm wondering... I don't know the full extent of the story, but did he tell anyone? Yeah. Or did he just be like... Like, honestly, if you're at the point where you're just standing at an exorcism, watching it happen, and then you think something jumps into you do you just are you like was he like because in his so in his trial this is a thing his lawyer's defense was that he had been possessed so like so like is this the only point he decided to come out and say it because he'd done this horrible thing and he was like did the demon was there a demon in him or was he like ah oh, fuck i've murdered someone i'm Oh, my fiance's brother was possessed. Maybe I can just say a demon jumped right. into me. Exactly. Or was he actually possessed and had he tried to tell people before and no one had listened because he wasn't acting the same way as the kid? Yeah. Or like it's just very confusing to me that no one would have been like Well surely after an exorcism you check everyone anyway. Yeah. Like you would be like, Are you okay? And like you ch- you I don't know, like, bless people. I don't know what you need to do, but, like, I just... Possession movies are my favourite movies, and I've watched so many of them, I'm like, obviously you'd find out if a demon jumped into someone else. Yeah. You're an American horror story. I don't know, it depends how, like, you know, stealthy the demon is. If they're, like, just waiting for their moment. But if it's gotten to a point where they've murdered someone and now the guy's going to prison and he's claiming to be possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Or is that because the demon did some, like, managed to push it so far to do murder, which is obviously, uh, depending on which way you're looking at it, it's like one of the ten deadly, ten commandments not to do or whatever, right? Yeah. That then the demon wanted recognition for that. And so he allowed it to be stated in court. Because that was a public platform, and I'm assuming this case had a lot of media attention. Interesting. Right? Yeah. To be yeah. like, because that's very like pride being one of the deadly sins of and course. stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that after this was made, the, the judge uh, obviously deemed this inadmissible in court because mm-hmm. you can't prove that. Yeah. Um, but the guy only served five years out of a 39-year sentence. Hmm. Which is... That's pretty good. Yeah. That's so I'm really saying, good. was he possessed by a demon? Was Did he get possessed by a demon and then he went in and then like the demon was just waiting it out so he could get out of jail quicker and cause havoc? Or was the demon playing the system in jail because it was... It knows 
<laughs> it knows. Did he like? Do you know what I mean? Because he never would have gone the demon out. Obviously, if he was possessed, because no one had done an exorcism. On yeah, because you're not gonna. They can bring exorcists into jails. Yeah. <laughs> Although interesting that that they would kind of like give him less of a sentence and then not actually take it seriously. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe, like, legally it was inadmissible, but maybe the judge actually, like, in life was... Or, or I don't know, it doesn't say. Maybe he just got let out for good behaviour. You don't know, but that seems, like, very early from, like, a massively long sentence. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, the Warrens have been involved in a lot of weird stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Inadmissible in court, but he only served five years of a 39-year sentence because it was really kind of, like, taken that he was possessed. Because it was, like, completely random. So what do you think about the warrants? Do you think they're legit? I think they are, yeah. Yeah. I just want to apologize to our listeners for the last, like, half an hour. You probably just heard crashing and banging. Yeah. Um... So, sorry about that. Yeah, we live with people, and we're recording and very early. <laughs> so sorry if it was a bit all over the place. <laughs> um, but as for the Warrens, um, yeah, I think they're probably legit, but I also think that there was probably moments where they're like, you know, obviously there's not supernatural things going on every day, and they need to make money. Well, it just seems like they were trying to, like, claim cases. Like, be like, oh, yeah, we've done 10,000 cases, but then half of them, they're just showing up for a day and being like, yeah, we were involved in this one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I do, I generally think that Lorraine was trying to help people. Yeah. Like, she saw that thing about the guy who was the werewolf on TV and she wanted to go and help. Yeah. I I don't know... But then they were filming these things, but then maybe they were trying to document, like, paranormal activity. I don't know. It's kind of weird. I think it, it started out good and then potentially became a lot, like, more sordid and, like, money-orientated later well, exactly, on. exactly, because eventually it will start to dry out and you have a family and, like, you need to keep making money. So mm-hmm. you're going to have to start making up things. It's just it's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, no. I think a lot of the cases that they were involved in were definitely real cases. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. you know, I, I, I actually generally think he was probably possessed, yeah. that guy. And obviously the Amityville horror, they were sleeping on the bed frame that the murders happened in. Mm-hmm. If they ain't bringing bad juju, like you're ha- sleeping in the house where they happened, on the bed frame where people were actually murdered. Mm-hmm. like Yeah. And you have children and... I don't know how old those kids were, but I'm assuming some of them were pushing, like, teenage age, which is when you have a lot of, like, angsty energy, which is what brings in poltergeist, which I'm pretty sure is what happened with the Enfield poltergeist case as well. Yeah. From that documentary I watched, it was very much like you have, like, a bunch of teenage girls in the house, and that's why the spirit or whatever was going for the one who was, like, 13, 14, because she obviously had the most of that energy. Yeah. Um, around. But yeah, it's interesting. I always wanted to visit the museum, but also not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that guy now, I don't know if he took a lot of the stuff from their museum. The other guy who's like a ghost hunter, Zach something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. He had a program called Deadly Possessions and he took like 
things like the Annabelle doll, like cursed items from people. He has like the Dippert box and he has the cauldron from Ed Gein's property and a lot of weird stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's multiple locations of these cursed objects should you be so inclined <laughs> to check them out. <laughs> But yeah, any other thoughts? No, not really. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I uh, guess that's the end of the episode then. Again, apologies for any noise. Um, and if we were all over the place slightly, <laughs> we're trying to squish this in in a very busy schedule that particularly Emily has at the moment. Um, thank you for listening. We've been Strange Stuff Sideshow. Uh, as always, if you have ideas for episodes, you can contact us at nameshamesideshow at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at Strange Stuff Sideshow. Uh, if you want to chuck us a little donation, you can check out our Patreon on Strange Stuff Sideshow. And you can check out our TikTok. Again, Strange Stuff Sideshow, weirdly. Um, and yeah. Um, also, email us. Yeah, I said that. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, it is really half asleep. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you. We love you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Cuddle my butt.